evening. It is so great to see you here at Victory Christian Fellowship. And we serve an awesome God who's alive and well, and he's very much interested in you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And Father, we give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you for your abiding love in us. And Lord, we're so grateful that you love us and your love never fails. So we have faith in your love. And we just give you the glory and the honor that's due your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's worship tonight. Our Father.
focus on one thing right now and that's Jesus and his presence here in this room I want you to lean on him love him trust in him believe him he is your all in all he is your great I am oh Lord we love you we bless you Lord our focus and our attention is on you Oh, we lift up your name in this place, Lord Jesus. Lord, your name breaks bonds, sets captives free, binds up wounds, heals broken hearts, fixes bodies, changes lives. Oh, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Bless your holy name. Praise your holy name. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being here with us, Lord. You are our honored and distinguished guest. And we honor and welcome Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you're breathing on us. You're breathing on us. The breath of the Almighty is breathing on us. Thank you for speaking to us. 
I'm here to lift your burdens and lighten your load so that you can do the things that you were told. It's no time to shrink back, but take courage and be bold for great things I am doing in the earth today. Great things I will show you. Just keep walking my way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. Someone say, mmm. Mm. Hallelujah. There's fresh bread in the house. Yeah. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Hallelujah. Well, we got some people back. And we got a, a visitor that we sowed. Kelsey is here. She's currently attending Rama. You want to come up and say anything, Kels? Hallelujah. Hi. <laughs> it's really good to be back. I This church, I realized, was a foundation a lot for me. That I, When I go to Rama, I see a lot of people that didn't have the foundation I had. And it's a lot harder for them to learn and accept the things that we're learning there. Everyone gets there eventually, but it is really good to have a good starting ground and foundation to come back to. And as um, our camp meeting just ended, as well as the youth group just went to their camp meeting, and I see a lot of people that were in their waiting phases that were getting kind of like, that didn't want to wait are ready, are starting to get ready to get launched forth. And it's super exciting to see because God is like creating an urgency in everyone to get the commission done. And I'm just saying, if you're in a waiting period right now, don't neglect it because it is important. It's when you build up your faith. It's when you have your prayer walk with God. It's when you develop those habits that will help you in the future that God has for you. So, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if I could have uh, Pastors Nelson and Nadine and Josh. <laughs> this was not planned, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there were other people that went, but we'll get to them on Sunday. <laughs> so the Lord laid it on my heart for you guys. Why don't you tell us about uh, this past week? <laughs> All right. Well, we're so glad to be home. We're glad we went and were sent, but we sure were glad to come back. When we got back here, I said, I know how the people that go to Israel to make it their home and they get off the plane and they kiss the ground. (laughs) As we were driving up the driveway, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad to be home. I want to kiss the ground, but I was too tired to bend over. (laughs) Yes, so like Kelsey said, When we travel to other ministries, other churches, 
you really see how great the foundation mm. is here with Pastor Doug and Dr. Fiona. Like, we have the cream of the crop here. And so thank you for, for having that. You just serve it up like it's, you know, Thanksgiving every day. But <laughs> you really see it highlighted when you're out and about talking with other people and just being around. So the fire of God was the emphasis of the fire conference we went to. It was great to be with thousands of believers and to be in a church and a ministry. Uh, Dr. Rodney's been for 45 years being in a ministry. So to hear that seasoned um, experience and he just was teaching us practically like how does he flow with Holy Spirit? How does the anointing work in a service, in your life, in every day? So I enjoyed the practical teaching. And then, of course, he imparted the fire to us often. And um, what I learned about a holy fire is really it's the heart of Jesus. Mm. Like fire. Like you read about Jesus, there's fire in his eyes, there's fire in his hands. His, mm-hmm. You know, his, his whole body looks like fire. And I realized it's that passionate love that he has for us and we have for him. And you put those two together, it's just a combustion of fire. So, Amen. you next. Uh, it was just a great time in that I just got to learn all of the different testimonies of giving and offering. And it just uh, really awakened that in me. And also, I was prophesied to be a millionaire. So hearing all the millions and stuff that other people got is, was a great thing for me. And that I also heard from the Lord, and I was asking where I should go to college next. And he told me that I would be going to Raymer for two years. So that, was just a, <laughs> so that was an awesome thing. And just... Hearing all the sermons and getting the word in me just encouraged me and kept me in faith for that. Amen. It was a wonderful trip, but the sessions, so we were doing like four hours in the morning. Then at night, it went from five hours later. But it was great, you know. (laughs) But you sit there, and it's like, and you listen Rodney had to say, but it said the deepness he has and the love of Christ. And it's like it just it just hits you, but actually you, you can feel the, the total love and peace that he carries. And he imparted that as he spoke. But one of the things, he, you know, he he was speaking, he said, well, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. He said, well, you people know this is in the Bible. But what God was, he came out off the, the podium, and he, he could see where his shadow was standing. He said, now... This is in the Bible, yeah, people. So he started bringing people up. Notice as soon as they hit his, his shadow, they start falling out in the spirit. And these, these are things. He's like, well, you, you, you carry the fire. The fire is going to be coming out. It, even this is just what happens. But this is how it burns away. Everything that's inside of you, you get into the fire. Because you focus on the fire, but you focus on Jesus. But he says, this is the thing. He's like, the more and more you focus on the on the, the love of God, he says, man, everything else just goes away, and it's totally pure. And that's what's awesome. Amen. So we'll get the others on Sunday. Hallelujah. You know, there's a theme that the Holy Spirit is emphasizing tonight. 
and that is the love of God. And what he put on my heart goes right along with that. Just want to let you know that this Sunday, we're going to have uh, Sushil Kumar. He's the director of uh, Marima Chandigarh, him and his wife, Monica. And uh, he'll be with us ministering the word. So uh, he's coming here. And then at the end of August, I'll be going there. And uh, so we're having a, a divine swap. But if you can bring a friend this Sunday, uh, it'll be a great time. And uh, he'll, he has a powerful anointing on his life. And then next Wednesday, everybody say next Wednesday. It's a prime opportunity for us to invite someone, bring someone. We're having our community prayer and praise night for our Wednesday night refreshing. We have lots of praise and prayer uh, woven in between. So come and uh, praise the Lord. And uh, that's going to be a great time. Hallelujah. And uh, I think we're having some snacks afterwards too. Uh, I had a birthday on uh, Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, my family was asking me where I, was, where I wanted to go to eat. And uh, so um, I was going to go to Harper's Tavern in Anvil there. And uh, I was convinced in my mind that it was Tuesday, but it was Monday. And uh, unfortunately, they're not open on Monday. So I drove my family out there, and they're like, man, this is a long trip. And we get there, and the door's locked. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I said, it's open, but they're open. No, it was Monday, but I was thinking it was Tuesday. (laughs) So, but you know what? You you can just flow, right? And uh, when things don't work out the way you want, you don't just get disappointed. You just flow. And we found another place and had a great time. And uh, just had a good celebration. And, uh, but you know, tonight is a, is a good night. Any night that we can gather with people of like precious faith is a good night. Amen. Now our youth are are prime because they've been in church 10 hours a day for the last five days, seven days. You know, you talk about, uh, church, you know, that's some church. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, at least, at least Dr. Rodney's longer than I am. (laughs) So when they get back here, they're going to think this is a breeze. <laughs> I've been in Dr. Rodney's meetings, and he's just methodical. He just moves at his pace, does his thing. He's not, he's not moved anything but by the Word and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, uh, you know, God is awesome. And we can never get too much of God. Because when you get too much of God, there's only good effects, not bad side effects. Amen? Amen. And, of course, uh, in your giving, you can give tonight. You can support our missions projects of uh, India and uh, uh, coming up in Liberia and Guyana. Hallelujah. We're touching the world from Palmyra. And uh, we just appreciate your faithfulness and giving. If you're watching us online, you can uh, give that way as well. So, uh, Heavenly Father... I'm so grateful and thankful for the blessing of the Lord that you make your people rich and you add no sorrow with it. And I thank you, Lord, that the givers and their gifts are blessed of you, highly favored, protected and prospered by your mighty hand. And we give you the glory and the honor, the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Hallelujah. All right. We got some kids in this place. 
that we're going to dismiss you for our kids' life, kids living in faith on Wednesday. Amen? Kids, have a good time. Listen to your teacher. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So after the service, we'll have some light refreshments for you, some snacks or whatever. And uh, oh, I'll tell you what, God is good. I was actually going to do something on the goodness of God tonight, but the Holy Spirit had some other ideas. And he wants to get this across to us tonight. You know, God wants us to abide in him. When you begin a journey with God, you have the right to get off that journey whenever you want, but you shouldn't. God expects us to be with him for the whole time. No matter when you started following God in your life, you should follow him for the rest of your life. Amen? You won't be disappointed. He'll never let you down. So I want you to go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. And uh, we're going to uh, begin there. I just want to talk to you about abiding in the vine. We're going to read John uh, 15, verses uh, 4 through 10. And he says in the word, he says, abide in me. Everybody say abide. Abide. And I in you. Anytime that you make a decision to abide in him, he'll abide in you. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? That's a pretty good exchange. You get in him and he'll get in you. Hallelujah. You follow him, he'll follow you. He'll never unfollow you. Amen. Why, he always likes you. He loves you. He's, a, he's your friend that sticks closer than a brother. Okay? Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me. See, Jesus gives us both sides of the coin. If a man abide not in me, He is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words, plural, abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Whoa. Do you mean abiding in him will revolutionize your prayer life? It will cause answers to come just like that. 
Because when you abide in him, you're sharing the same thoughts, you're sharing the same heart, you're sharing the same mind. You're you're being, acting, thinking, and speaking just like Christ. All right? Okay? Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Everybody say continue. That's another way of saying abiding. Right? If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Hallelujah. Now, it mentions abiding about ten times in ten verses. Now, if the Bible talks about abiding so many times, where do you think the enemy is going to attack you the most? The enemy is going to try to tempt you not to abide. He's going to, he's going to suggest, he's going to set up scenarios where you can be disconnected from God. See, if, if Jesus, see, cause Satan perverts the word. Whenever the word is sown, he comes in immediately and tries to steal it. But we don't have to let him steal it. Amen? So, uh, he will try to get, he will try to offer you excuses not to abide. Oh, I don't need to be there. I can miss that. Can you? Do you know what you're missing? Hmm? We don't know what we're missing. But when we treat it that way, we're, we're, we're being wooed by the enemy. And his ultimate goal is to get you away from God. How many's ever had a bunch of, seen a bunch of bananas? How many like bananas? I like bananas. What happens to the first banana that leaves the bunch? It gets peeled. What does that mean? Stay, stay with the bunch. Right? We're the bunch. We're not the Brady Bunch. We're God's bunch. Amen? And the devil would like to peel you and devour you if he could. But, see, one can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand to flight. Your chances of victory are better on this team than by yourself. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God wants us to abide in the vine because that's the only way that we're going to produce fruit. If you cut a branch off an apple tree, that branch will never, ever produce apples because it's been severed from the source. It's been cut off from the supply. When a branch ceases to abide in the vine, it can no longer produce what it was designed to produce. So don't get cut off from God. You know, Samson didn't know when his hair was cut. He got up from Delilah's lap thinking he could beat the Philistines like he did before, but this time was different because he had no anointing because he lost his secret. But he didn't know that his hair was gone until the Philistines overtook him. You read the story, Judges 14. 
He got up. He didn't know that his strength left him. He didn't know that he'd been severed from the vine. But he was deceived because he was playing with the enemy. Don't play with fire. You can use fire, but don't play with it. Amen? What is this fruit that God wants us to provide? You know, God's into fruit. He's into produce. God loves the produce section. He loves fresh fruit. He loves fruit pie. Amen? And God wants us, he wants every believer to be a fruit producer. Isn't that right? What is this fruit that we're supposed to produce? The definition, it's the word karpos. It means everything done in true partnership with Christ. Woo! It also means actual fruit. Right? But can a Christian produce spiritual fruit? Aren't there nine different fruits that we can produce? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, uh, uh, and the other two, whatever they are. (laughs) We can produce spiritual fruit in our lives, but in order to do that, we have to be connected. We have to abide. We have to be attached to someone else. Amen? This fruit is... Produced because we are are in union with Christ. You know, Christ is pro-union. Union with him. And he doesn't charge you union dues. But he covers you. He's the union boss. When you, when you get united with him, you get blessed. You get benefits. You get goodness. You get his nature. You get his kindness. God's pro-union, but you've got to be in union with him. Fruit is the results from two life streams. Number one, it's the Lord living his life through you. He's like, get the eye out of the way and let me take over. God is my co-pilot. Wrong. He better be your pilot. He better be the captain of the ship. Amen. When Christ came in, you gave him the keys. That means he has the authority. Amen. When, when when, When you ask Christ into your heart, you cease to be Lord of your life. You gave full control over to Jesus. Have your way with this clay. Amen? This clay will do what you say. Woo, form me, fashion me. Yeah, that feels good. All right? So the first live stream is the Lord living his life through you. And the second one, he wants to yield what's eternal. Out of you can come something eternal when you're connected to the eternal life giver. Amen? When you lead a person to Christ, you've established something eternal. When you do God's will for your life, you establish something eternal. The Bible says those who do God's will will live forever. Amen? Hallelujah. So, fruit is 
the results that your life produces. And what your life produces should be in line with Christ. (laughs) We are Chryslers. Christ is our manufacturer. I don't care if you like another car. We're Chryslers. (laughs) Hallelujah. In other words, your life has to produce a result, do a work, and do a deed. What? Ask yourself this question. I'm not looking for an answer. I'm looking for some inward reflection. What comes from abiding, from us abiding in Christ? What effects does Christ have on us? How many has had some effects since Christ moved into your life? There's been some special effects. You know, God's got his own special effects department. It's called the Holy Ghost. He does uh, the demonstration and display. That's the special effects. We got our own special effects department. Hallelujah. When, the, when God comes in, there's some effects that take place. Right? How many has been affected? God, I've been infected by Jesus. Hallelujah. And his infection produces health and strength and blessing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. What results in us abiding in him? Number, we got to get some fruit. It's time to get some fruit. You got to get spiritual fruit and you got to get fruit from your life living for Christ. You, you ought to influence someone else for Christ. Why? We're, we're not here for ourselves. We're here for him. Amen? We got to influence some people for Christ. Oh, but I can't change the world. Can you pray? If you can pray, you got a air defense system. We, we got, listen, the president can have the nuclear football. We got prayer. We got a power greater than nuclear. Hallelujah. We don't need a case to carry it. All we need is a heart that loves God. Glory to God. And we can launch missiles of prayer into the spiritual atmosphere. And the the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, makes power readily available. Hallelujah. When you're connected to God and you're righteous and you know who you are in Christ and what he's given you, you are a powerhouse for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, to get fruit means we receive, display, demonstrate benefits that arise from righteousness. Hallelujah. To get fruit, we look, sound, live, think, act, and speak like Christ. When you put cherries in the dough, do you call them cherries in dough? What do you call it? Cherry pie. Right? See, it depends on what's inside is depending on what it gets named. What's on the inside of you? Is Christ on the inside of you or is he just a decoration you wear? 
Religion is just a decoration that they wear. That's who Christ is to them. But to the true believer, he's living on the inside. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God. I've been changed. I've been resurrected. I'm different because Christ is living his life through me. I don't just wear Christ as an ornament. He's actually a resident in my house. He's living in my heart. I'm abiding in him. I'm connected to him. I'm going to remain in him. I'm going to dwell in him. I'm going to hang out in Christ. Christ is the coolest person to hang out with. He's the most fun. He's the life of the party. Amen. Christ is not a downer. He's an upper. Hallelujah. All right, so let me just say this again. To get fruit, you receive, display, and demonstrate benefits arising from righteousness. Have you found out that you've got some benefits in Christ? Don't forget his benefits. All right? One batch of fruit is to look, sound, live, think, and act and speak like Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the spirit of Christ. We have the will of Christ. Amen? We ought to be Christ inside-minded. Hallelujah. And you produce fruit in your life by accepting, agreeing, believing, and confessing his word in every area of life. Here's, here's how to produce fruit in your life. His words become your words. His thoughts become your thoughts. His actions become your actions. His inheritance becomes your inheritance. You see what happens? That's when you know that you're abiding in him. When people look at you and they see Jesus. When you walk into a room of cussing people, they just stop all of a sudden. And they look. I'll tell you a story. One time in my hometown, when I didn't even know that Dr. Fiona had existed, this was long, long before I ever met her, <laughs> one of, uh, actually he was one of my friends, he was a recovering alcoholic. He had had a DUI twice. He lost his license and he could only ride his bike. So he would come to church, but then after church he would go to the bar. Because he was still struggling. Right? I know none of you ever struggle. So, anyway, well, the pastor, my friend and I, we would often go look for him sometimes. But this one particular night, the pastor walked into where my friend was hanging out in the bar. Right? And there was, I don't know, about six or seven people in there, kind of in the middle. When the pastor walked in, it was as if someone took the whole bar and lifted it up. Everybody slid down to this side. And my friend was just kind of there like, uh. Because the pastor walked in and God just turned everything upside down. True story. True story. But you know what? My friend eventually kicked that demon of alcoholism. And he ended up going to Ramah, and his alcoholic father saw him graduate. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, God can turn things around. He was up for his third DUI. And guess what? God worked a miracle. He got off. 
He got off of his third DUI. Listen, God can get you out of any jam. But the question is, see, we get in a jam, right? And we'll say, oh, God, I'll serve you. I'll follow you. Oh, I give you my heart. And then he gets us out and we're like, I wasn't really serious about that. Some of us have maybe prayed that prayer, right? Listen, if you commit to abide, you got to abide. That's the only way that your life's going to be turned around. Listen, God will rescue you because he loves you. He, he, he wants to extend mercy. He's a gracious God. Amen. But why, does, why do you have to keep living in, in a way where he has to rescue you? Why don't you just walk in victory? Why don't you walk in the victory that he's provided for us? Amen. Kick those chains. Those chains don't got you anymore. Your prison's been open. It's time to come out of the cell. Amen. Go to, a, go to Galatians chapter 5. So we got we, we to gotta accept, agree, believe, and confess his word in every area of our lives. How, how do you know if someone's abiding? Because they act and think and speak like Jesus. Amen? Glory to God. See, here's the thing. You don't just come to church to abide. You have to abide wherever you are in Christ. In your home, on your job, while you're driving to work, while you're in the store shopping, you're abiding in Christ. Amen? You are a living representative of Christ on the earth. That's a powerful testimony. That's a powerful testimony. Are did not God make us ambassadors? Say, I'm an ambassador of heaven. So let's act like it. Let's act like we're ambassadors. We've been chosen by the king. Amen? He's qualified and anointed you to speak for him. As long as you're speaking his word. Amen? All right, Galatians chapter 5 and uh, verse... Uh, 16. He says here, um, oh, here, Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Aren't you glad that God's given us options? We are not bound by what the flesh wants to do. We can walk in the Spirit. You know, when you walk in the Spirit, you, you got a step to you. One time we were witnessing in my hometown, <laughs> and one of my friends, uh, he came, you know, because uh, he, he knew my friend, and I didn't know him, but he knew the friend, and and my friend just looked at him, you know, he, he's walking. He says, hey, Mike, how you doing? And my friend says, you know, Jesus will put a step in your walk. He turned around and walked the other way. I guess he didn't want to change his walk. <laughs> he didn't want the step that Jesus will put in your walk. Amen. How many know when, G, when you're walking in the spirit, come on, you, you got a groove to you. Amen. You, you can walk in confidence. You're walking in power. You're walking in truth. Amen. You're walking on a firm foundation, on the right path. Hallelujah. You, you can walk in the Spirit 
or you can be bound by the lust of the flesh. This I say then, is this a suggestion? Walk in the spirit if you feel like it. No, has nothing to do with feelings, but everything to do with faith. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let me tell you something. Your flesh has desires. The enemy doesn't tempt you in the spirit. He tempts you in the flesh. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. That's every area. Right? Okay, let's read on. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The flesh doesn't agree with the spirit and the spirit doesn't agree with the flesh, but it's who you feed more that's in control. It's who you feed more. You know, if you want to get rid of a stray cat, don't feed it. If you feed it, it'll keep coming back. Amen? Okay? So the lust in the flesh are like this. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. But one's got to be in control of the other. Either your spirit's in control, you're abiding in the vine and you're walking in the spirit, or your flesh is in control and you're just constantly responding to the lust of the flesh. Lust is just simply desire. Okay? And these are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you would. Verse 18, but if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Woo! You mean to get out of the law, all I got to do is be led by the spirit? Yeah. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Allow Him to lead God and direct you. Allow Him to order your steps. Allow Him to plan your day. You know, the Spirit's a person. Listen to His voice. If you don't want to be under the law, you can be led by the Spirit. You can be led by God's encyclopedia, Holy Spirit. He, he does the research. Amen? You can be led by God's research assistant. Okay? Verse 19, now the works of the flesh. Oh, he's about to tell us some things of what the flesh does. This is what the flesh produces. These are the fruits of the flesh. The works of the flesh are the fruits of the flesh. Okay? The fruits of the flesh are sour, bitter. All right? They are manifest, which are these, adultery fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, that's sensuality, idolatry, witchcraft. Oh, look, it's Harry Potter. He's so cute. No, it's witchcraft. Oh, look at the wizard on Disney. No, it's witchcraft. The devil puts things in such a pretty package, but they're evil, wicked things. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, that's discord, emulations, that's jealousy, wrath, strife, seditions, that's division, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like. Everybody say, and such the like. Anything that represents these things, anything that is like these things, that's the fruit of the flesh. But we're not bound by the fruit of the flesh. All right? And uh, he says, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things, they which practice these things, they live it as a lifestyle. 
shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa. What does that mean? You're going to be cut off. You're going to be cut off. Did you know that King Saul was cut off from the anointing? Because he was given an instruction and he didn't obey it, but he acted like he did. Did you kill all the Amalekites? Oh, yes, I killed the Amalekites. Really? Then what's this bleeding of sheep I hear? You were supposed to kill the animals too. But see, what happened? Saul succumbed to his lust of the flesh of greed and covetousness. They wanted the stuff. They wanted the good stuff, the best stuff. So he kept the king Agag alive, right? And uh, that wasn't what he was supposed to do. And when Samuel confronted him, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's no big deal. No, it was a big deal. This, but this wasn't the first thing that Saul disobeyed God in. And as Samuel was walking away... Samuel or Saul grabbed his coat and it tore and Samuel said God's going to tear the kingdom from you and give it to your neighbor and Saul served as king but he was an unanointed king what happened to Saul he was tormented by what an evil spirit even though he was in the position of authority he had no anointing by God and he was tormented by an evil spirit why because he cut himself off all right but this chapter doesn't end there. Say, whoo, thank God. Verse 22. But, I love when God butts in. The fruit of the Spirit. What should I produce for God? Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. Long suffering. Notice joy and peace come with, before long suffering. Because he wants you to suffer along with joy and peace. All right? Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That's actually translated. Against such there is no limit. There's no limit to how much fruit you can produce. There's no limit to how many trees you can have in your orchard. There's no, many, there's no limit to how much peace you can have. How much joy you can have. How much you can long suffer. How gentle you can be. How good you can be. Hallelujah. How temperate you can be. How meek you can be. There's no limits. When you're connected to God, He takes the limits off. Hallelujah. Notice... Verse 24, and they that are Christ's, I'm abiding in Christ, I'm dwelling in Christ, I'm remaining in Christ. They have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Your flesh says, I want this. And you go, no. Your flesh says, I want to do this. You say, no. Oh, let's just sleep in today. And call in sick, liar. And your spirit says, no, get up. And the flesh says, okay. Do you realize when you exercise authority, it has to respond? You're not bound by the flesh. Why? You got the Holy Ghost living inside you. Once the Holy Ghost moved in, he he freed you from the reliance on the flesh. And now your spirit is in control of your body. Hallelujah. The spirit does a better job of leading my life than my flesh did. Because your flesh, you know, the flesh is theme song. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Right? But your flesh will take you up and down. If you follow your feelings, 
you know, it, 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 there's no stability in following your feelings because your feelings change like that. Just play different music and your feelings change. Watch the Three Stooges and your feelings change. Okay? We got to crucify the flesh. Everybody say crucify. Do you think that your flesh is going to feel pain? Yes! That's the point. You know, a parent can't let a young child do whatever they want to do. Am I right about that? Because they'll always want what they, what they shouldn't have, right? And we always have to correct children to do what's right. That's how our flesh, that's how we need to treat our flesh, like a little child. <laughs> Amen? No, honey, you can't have that. Don't ask me again. Stop whining. Right? Sometimes you just give them what they want so they can stop whining. Oh, that's another. Okay, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We need to take up residence in the Spirit. You know, when you, when you got born again, you got a spiritual address. Your address is heaven. 777. Where do you live? 777 heaven on Glory Street. And man, just follow the, go- follow the yellow brick road, the golden path. Right? Did you know that God's given you a golden path to, to success? He paved his roads with gold. Hallelujah. Okay? So living in the Spirit is your commitment to Christ. Walking in the Spirit is how you carry out your commitment every day. Guess what? Tomorrow's Thursday. It's another opportunity for you to live for Christ. And after that is Friday. Another opportunity for you to live for Christ. Oh, and there comes Saturday. Another opportunity for you to live for Christ. And then there's Sunday. Another opportunity for you to live for Christ. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday again. Guess what? The cycle repeats. Amen? How many know living for Christ is an everyday thing? Every day you're going to have to resist your flesh. Every day, you know, there's going to come a time when you're going to get a glorified body and your flesh won't be a problem anymore. When you get a glorified body, your flesh and your spirit will actually be in agreement. Hallelujah. But that day hasn't come yet. So you got to do what Paul did. I keep my body under. The real him kept his body under so that I might not be a castaway. He said, I die daily. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right? Okay. So what do we get when we abide in Christ? We get changed. We get transformed. We become profitable. Amen? We, you know, a good tree produces what kind of fruit? And a bad tree produces what kind of fruit? See? See? We have to be, see, here's what it means to abide. Like a seed attaching itself to the ground, we need to abide in Christ. Did you know when you plant a seed in the ground, that seed doesn't leave its place? That seed stays there. 
right? And it dies, and then it dies so that it can produce something different, right? That corn seed, it died in the ground, but it it didn't move from the place. It stayed where it was planted. That's what we need to be like Jesus. Let's stay with Jesus. Amen? What about all the news? Turn it off. (laughs) Stay with Jesus. Okay? All right? Abiding is like a transmission attached to an engine. We need to abide in Christ. How many are glad that your transmission is attached to your engine? If your transmission was not attached to your engine, you wouldn't get anywhere. Right? Like a parachute is attached to a paratrooper, we need to abide in Christ. When a paratrooper jumps out of a plane, you better have something attached to you. Right? It better be a parachute. Why? Because that's the only thing that's going to break your fall. That's how we need to be abiding in Christ. Okay, I wrote these things down. Like wheels are attached to a vehicle, we need to abide in Christ. You don't want to be playing the song you picked to find time to leave me loose wheel. (laughs) And here's the thing. If something in your life is loose, it'll eventually fall off. If you're driving around with a tire that has lug nuts that aren't tightened and you're doing 65 miles an hour down the highway and that that tire decides to pick a fine time to leave me loose wheel, you're going to be in trouble. But see, that's the maintenance that we have to do in our lives. We have to make sure that all the nuts are tightened so that we don't have any loose screws in our lives in the way we live. You know, when we... When you live for the world, it's called loose living. Why? Because you're not connected to the right place. And when you're living loosely, your life will fall apart. Amen? All right. I got a couple others. Like fruit is attached to the fruit tree, we need to abide in Christ. Have you ever seen a fruit that is produced without being attached to something? It doesn't happen. Like wings that are fastened to an airplane, we need to abide in Christ. If there's no wings on that airplane, that airplane is not going to be, it's going to be grounded. Amen? There's going to be no lift. Right? And they have to attach the wings. Right? And hopefully those rivets are good and secure. secure. And then finally, like a head is connected to a body, we need to abide in Christ. You can't get up and your head still be in bed. Amen? What do you call someone without a head? A freak! Aren't you glad your head's attached? That's how we need to abide in Christ. In other words, we need to take Christ wherever we go and do whatever, and do whatever we're doing, whoever we're with. And sometimes we take him to places that he doesn't want to be. We take him in situations that he doesn't want to be in, and he doesn't want you to be in either. That's when we start to lose our abiding in him, and it gets loosely connected. 
We need to be attached to Jesus. What does it mean to abide? It means to stay in a given place. The other day, someone came into my office because they needed help. And I said, what church do you go to? He goes, I go to the church of Jesus, which means he goes to many churches, which means he has no root. He has no plant. And guess what? You know why he's having problems in his life? Because he's not connected to the vine. That, that's never God's plan. God wants you planted. God is a planter. And you are a tree of righteousness, right? He wants you planted by rivers of living water. He wants you planted in God's house. He wants you planted in his plan and his will for your life. And, and you know, trees grow where they're planted. Trees don't grow where they get uprooted. Storms come and uproot a tree. The growth of that tree has stopped. Why? Because it lost its roots. There are a lot of Christians who lose their roots. Christians who call themselves Christians and they don't show up for church for six months. You're not abiding in the vine. You're not going to be able to produce fruit. It's just not going to happen. You have disconnected yourself from God. I didn't say that. The Word did. I'm just reiterating what the Word says. Okay? To abide means to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present. You know, if God were to take a roll call, would you be able to say, I'm present? (laughs) I'm so glad that our House of Representatives made the representatives be present when they're voting on something now. They have to be present. (laughs) Glory to God. It means to remain, to stand, to tarry. Can you tarry with me for an hour? Hallelujah. Glory to God. You are not to depart from him. You are not to leave him, but to continue with him. Amen? Abiding... It's about the choices and the decisions that you make. Are they in line with God's standards and God's will? Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will and it shall be done. Are, are, are you, uh, the, the choices and the decisions you make, are they in line with God's standards and God's will? The path you take, is it smooth Straight and firm, all Bible terms about a path. Is the path you're on straight, firm, smooth? Those are all things that the Bible describes about the path. The friends you make, uh uh-oh, friends are like elevators. They'll take you up or take you down. (laughs) What kind of friends you have, uppers or downers? (laughs) All right. Do they share the same faith? Do they help you and encourage you in your walk with God, friends? The results you have, abiding will help you with the results you have. Do you have good results? Are you effective in your call? You know, the Bible tells us to walk worthy of our call. Everybody say, walk worthy. Who are we walking worthy of? We're walking worthy of Him. Amen? All right? Um, And then finally, abiding in him, it is what the Lord will reward. He loves fruit, and he will reward fruit. As a matter of fact, when we're producing a certain amount of fruit, he comes in, he prunes us, and guess what? We produce more fruit. He's always wanting to produce more fruit. 
God never stops. Amen? And you can't coast about how much fruit you produce up to this point in your life. Guess what? There's more. Look at your neighbor and say, there's more. Say, come on, let's produce more. Okay? There's three things that we need to abide in, and then I'm going to close. Number one, we need to abide in the Lord. We need to fall in love with Jesus. Do you know why Martha was having problems? She was distracted by her busyness. If you read the story, she was distracted. Mary was sitting by Jesus. What was she doing? She was abiding. She was listening to truth, listening to life, listening to help, listening to wisdom. And Martha, she was distracted from the Lord by her busyness. And she came in with her hands at her side, tapping her foot, saying, Jesus, you need to tell Mary to come help me. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, you're right, Martha. No, he didn't. Jesus said, she, Mary, chose the better part. And he said, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by too many things. You're too busy. You're too busy to take time and focus on the Lord. You know, abiding in Christ is not about doing this and doing that. It's about spending time with him. It's about meditating in the word, worshiping, free of distractions. You know, people think that some Christians are like a Christmas tree. They put all this decoration, all this external things on the tree, but there's nothing inside the tree. We can't just decorate our lives with duty, with this, this task or that task or this service or that service. We gotta be, we gotta abide in Jesus. Go to John chapter 8 verse 31. John 8 31. All right, I'm closing quickly. Can you listen quickly? All right, if you can listen slowly, I'm closing slowly. No, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. John 8, famous scripture, verse 30. Let's start with John 8 verse 30. John 8 verse 30. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, what's that first word? If. Everybody say if. You got to make a decision to abide. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You can't be free unless you know the truth, and you can't know the truth unless you abide in the truth. If you continue in my truth, Christianity is a journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey. The minute you met Christ, you for the rest of your life, you got to walk with Jesus. you got to talk with Jesus. you got to listen to Jesus. you got to fellowship with Jesus. That's abiding. All right? You shall know the truth. But notice, continuing and discipleship come before being free. Now, can Jesus get you free in a moment? Yes. But how are you going to stay free? 
if Jesus can make you free in a moment, but in order to stay free, in order to keep your freedom, you've got to abide in him. You've got to abide in the Lord. Amen? Those who really love him will abide in him. Another way to say it is you've got to stand firm in the faith. Say, I'm standing firm. That means you're not moving. That means the devil can't knock you out of place. Glory to God. All right, number two, you've got to abide in the word. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Great benefits and blessings come from abiding. Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. Notice what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you poorly. Didn't say poorly? What does it say? Richly. Just wanted to see if you're awake. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Who are you singing to? When you come in here and worship, you're not singing to Dr. Fiona. You're not singing to Signature Worship Team. You're not singing to your neighbor. We're not doing auditions. You're singing to the Lord. When you raise your hands, you're raising them to the Lord. When you take off running, you're running for the Lord. When you start laughing with the joy of the Lord, you're, you're, you're doing it for the Lord. Amen? He's the one that gives you the joy. He's the one that gives you it. Let's do it for Him. On Sunday, I said we need to shed the... The guise of religion in this house. We're not restricted on how we express ourselves to God. Some of you need to come out of your religious shell and do something that you've never done. Even if it's, listen, if you can't run, just take a step. Right? Just get something moving. Amen? You just, you just start with a little thing and God will take over. What did he say? Open your mouth and I'll fill it. He'll fill it. Simple action, open your mouth. He'll fill it. When the Holy Ghost moves, some of you just need to move. Amen? If you've never raised your hands in the church, start raising your hands. Touchdown! It's easier to lead something that's moving than still. I know this because I worked for a car dealership, and when we had to bring cars on the showroom floor, which was carpeting, if that car wasn't moving, you got to, you got to turn that wheel like that. But if that car's just moving a little bit, it turns like butter. So many people are, are like the God's trying to get you to move, and you're just like. Crickets. Can you imagine Jesus walking on the water and all of the apostles are sitting in the boat, right? First of all, they're freaking out because they think Jesus is a ghost. Of course, if you saw someone walking on the water, you probably think he was a ghost too, right? And uh, so, oh, and then they said, he said, it is me, be of good cheer. Okay? Oh, I'm supposed to be cheerful now. Great. So you got at least 12 disciples in the boat, right? And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. All the disciples went. 
You know how you do when someone steps out and, and they're moving with the Holy Ghost? You're like, you're like, you're like looking at them, right? All the disciples are looking at Peter. Like, what do you think you're saying? Why don't you come with me? No, you go yourself. Why is it only one disciple responded? So Jesus said, come. Did he say, come, Peter? He said, come. That applied to anyone that was in the boat, right? So Peter got out of the boat. All the disciples are sitting in the boat. Hey, James and John, you going? No, Thomas, I, I doubt if I can go. Thomas is saying, I doubt if I'll make it. I'm sitting right here with my life preserver. But, but Peter, see, one good thing about Peter, he acted without thinking. Sometimes we just need to act without thinking it through. We just need to act. So Peter just got out of that boat. And did Peter walk on the water? Yeah. You know, but then all of a sudden, he's like, Oh, the storm. How come the storm didn't bother him when he was getting out of the boat? Oh, and the wind and the waves. How come they didn't bother him when he was getting out of the boat? You see how quickly he lost his focus? Jesus was the one that said come. He should have abided in that word to come. The destination was Jesus. The journey wasn't ended until he got to Jesus. Right? And so Peter's walking, right? But then he looks at the wind and the wave. Boom. He sinks like a lead ball. And he's like, Pfft. I don't know if he could swim or not. Probably, I guess he could because he jumped out of the boat and swam to shore. So at least Peter could swim. That was good. If you're going to get out of the boat and walk in water, at least know how to swim. That's my backup plan, right? <laughs> you know, you don't need a backup plan when you're following God. I don't know why I'm on this thing, but... <laughs> so... Peter starts to sink, right? But Jesus is right there. He's not going to let him drown. See, so if you step out in faith and, and you miss it, he's not going to let you drown. You're not going to be overwhelmed, right? So you might as well step out in faith. Amen? You might as well yield to the Holy Ghost. All right? That's the point. But did, did Jesus raise up Peter's arm and say, good job, Peter, you made it this far? He said, why... Did you doubt? What did he doubt? He doubted the word that was spoken to him. He abided for two seconds. And then he sank. See, when you're not abiding in the vine, you will sink. You got to abide in him. You got to abide in the word. And then finally, you need to abide in his love, which was what the, it's what the Holy Ghost sang about. It's what the people who didn't even know they were going to testify, they testified about. And it's what my message is about. You see how the Holy Ghost works? We need to abide in his love. Why? His love will never fail. His love will never lose. When perfect love comes in, it casts out all fear of your life. God's perfect love will cleanse you of fear, all fear. God's love will grab fear by the throat, shake it around and throw it out like a piece of trash. Amen? Jesus said, he said, you need to abide in my love. Right? 
Our proof of love is keeping his commands, doing what he says. Are we abiding in, in God's love? Tomorrow you're going to have opportunities to do things in your day. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you going where God wants you to go? Or are you just consumed with your own thing? If you're consumed with your own thing, then your, your, your plans are yours and they're not his. Amen? You've got to be willing to change your plans sometimes. Paul wanted to go to Asia. He wanted to go and preach the gospel. God said no. So what did Paul do? He didn't go. <laughs> he wanted to go to another place. Holy Ghost said no. But then Holy Ghost invited him to Macedonia. He had a dream of a man saying, come on over here. That's where he, had, he, he met the Philippian jailer. That's where he met Lydia. That's where he had great success. He cast out a demon of divination. He had great success. Amen. Started a church in Philippi. God knows what he's doing. We just got to abide in him. Amen. Say, I'm abiding in the Lord, in his word, and in his love. Amen. And here's the thing. When you abide, you're healed, you're prosperous, you're growing. Amen. You get great joy. Hallelujah. God does great things in your life. Amen. He will propel you. David was anointed as king, but then he became a fugitive. And he did nothing to be a fugitive except kill Goliath. And because Saul was tormented by an evil spirit, Saul was jealous. He heard them praising David. Oh, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And that that evil spirit stirred up Saul's heart to murder an innocent man. David would be typing, you know, because he was working for Saul. He was his armor bearer. He was typing in the palace. And all of a sudden, Saul would grab the, the javelin and chuck it. You know, how, how many has been at work and someone chucks a javelin at you to try to pin you to the wall? You think you had a bad day at work? Let's compare. If you haven't had a javelin chucked at you, you're doing pretty good. And so Saul committed to kill David. David was on the run, but he honored God. He even honored Saul. He could have killed Saul. It would have been a righteous kill. But he refused to kill the Lord's anointed, even though he didn't have the, Lord's, he didn't have the anointing anymore. David honored God, and guess what? God worked it out. Who's, who does vengeance belong to? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, not yours. So you bet, if you want to take vengeance on something that happened to you, let it go. Because it's not your job. You just put your trust in God. You abide in God, and God will work it out. Did David end up being king? Oh, yeah, he was king for 40 years. He was the greatest king of Israel's history. Praise God. And guess what? God promised him that there's going to be a king on his throne forever out of the line of David. Jesus is a descendant of David who's going to be on the throne forever. God is good to his word. All we got to do is abide in him, trust him, rest in him, dwell in him, remain in him, and he will work it out. He will work it out. Amen? Let's work out your healing. Let's work out the help that you need in your life right now. Amen? God's a healer. 
Hallelujah. And because you're abiding in him, because you heard a word on abiding, you're just going to say, I'm going to abide in my healing. Say, I'm going to abide in my healing. That means you're going to keep your healing. You're going to remain healed. Amen. Hallelujah. What if symptoms come up? Just laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that's what Brother Hagen did. He had symptoms coming back on him that he had when he was on the deathbed. And he laughed at the devil. And the devil said, what are you laughing at? And Brother Hagin said, I'm laughing at you. The devil said, you're going to die. He said, no, I'm not. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not going to die. And the devil said, why are you laughing? He says, I'm laughing at you. And this went on for a few minutes. But Brother Hagin kept saying, he kept laughing at the devil. He kept, guess what? Those symptoms left. Why? He abided in his healing. Amen. Let's abide in health. How about wealth? You know, God told Joshua he's going to be a millionaire. Who else wants to be a millionaire? You could be a millionaire. If God can put two gold coins in a fish, he can make you a millionaire. If God can bring water from a rock and feed two to three million people and all their sheep and all their cows and all their donkeys, he can make you a millionaire. Let's think billions. Amen? Let's up our game a little bit. Let's, let's make VCF a packed house. Is there good teaching here? Is there a good move of the Holy Ghost here? Then we need to pack this place out. Amen? We, we stand as a unique place in Palmyra. Amen? I'm not criticizing other places. I just know what God wants to do here. Amen? Other places can do their thing. They can do what they want. I know God wants to touch people in this place. The Holy Ghost wants to move in this place. He wants to set people free in this place. He wants to fill you full of fire. Holy fire. Liquid fire. He wants you to be a flamethrower for Jesus. A flamethrower. Where fire just comes out of you. You're like a lava lamp. It just bubbles up on the inside. You know, that lava lamp. Boom. Boom. You've seen the lava lamp. It comes up to the top, right? Where does the lava start in the lava lamp? Inside. This is a place where you can get your lamp filled with oil and keep it filled. You don't want to let the oil go out of your lamp. Amen? Stand up to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just pray.